Welcome to Let's Face the Facts. I'm David Almeida, and I'm your host for this rewatch podcast for the classic sitcom, The Facts of Life. I'm an actor in Orlando, Florida, and every week I bring you some of the greatest talent in the Central Florida arts community. Join us as we synopsize, analyze, criticize, and ultimately idolize the show, episode by episode. Well, hi again. Welcome back to another show. Got a great one this week. My guest is Maria Flores. She is another one of the amazing, funny, talented, improvisational, hysterical, awesome, talented actresses that you find in the Orlando arts community, in the theme park world, and beyond. Oh, I love talking with her, as you can see by the length of the show. It's a little bit longer show, but as you will discover, or as you already know, if you've watched the episode, a lot of stuff happens, and we have a lot of ground to cover. So let's get right to it. This week we watched Season 5, Episode 18, Big Fish, Little Fish. The original air date was February 8th, 1984, and let's jump on in. Let's Face the Facts with Maria Flores. The most beautiful sound I ever heard. Maria, I'll bet no one's ever sung this to you. Ever. I'm the first person that ever did that, right? You're the first person who's done it today. Oh. And I am so glad for it. It's funny. People have, have sung that, have sung How Do You Solve a Problem like Maria. There's, oh, yeah. you know, just like, how many songs have Maria in it? And, um, and I get that a lot, that idea like, oh, you, you must not like it or you must hear it a lot. I'm like, I love it. Oh, good. <laughs> sing it all the time. It's nice to have Excellent. someone sing at you. <laughs> well, good. Maria Flores, welcome to the show. We are here with a very yeah. important task at hand to discuss yes. this episode of The Facts of Life. Mm-hmm. But before we do, I always like to ask my guests, even though you are quite a bit younger than I am, did you watch the show growing up at all? I don't know that I'm that much younger than you, but thank you. Uh-huh. Uh, I did watch. So I have four older brothers. And so I watched a lot of shows that wouldn't have been typical for someone my age at the time. Uh-huh. But yeah, I did watch. I did watch uh, The Facts of Life and uh, Different Strokes and, you know, that whole <clears throat> grouping of fantastic shows. Oh. Archie Bunker, uh, you know, yes. So. And The Good Times and The Jeffersons, all the oh, one of the yes. shows. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shows that I reference now because I still think they're funny. And and when I find that one like little glint in the audience's eye, like, oh, you get it. You yeah. you you see me. <laughs> okay. Okay, great. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, one person who gets my joke. <laughs> Hopefully it's not the Archie Bunker, ah, the damn Puerto Ricans and the blacks and the <laughs> yeah, yeah, sometimes. sometimes. It is. It, it, it's context, people. It's context. It's, it's how we bring them over. It's how mm-hmm. we're bringing them over. See, we connect. Now, look at how I see things now. <laughs> but anyway, so yes. I think we all should carry around us. We should take a hint from uh, Disney Plus, and we should all carry a sign that says, I am presented in my original format. Uh, there may be some outdated cultural references. <laughs> <laughs> That needs to be a shirt, and I would actually wear that. <gasps> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Nobody steal that idea. That's part no, of our merch. we are trademarked. 
It is, it is ours. <laughs> you and I are going to make a cabillion dollars off of this. Good grief. That's hilarious. Great idea. <laughs> well, Maria, did you Dolly watch this David. episode? You, did you do your homework, young lady? I did my homework. Yes, sir, I did. Then that means you and I have both watched season five, episode 18, called Big Fish, Little Fish. Mm -hmm. And the original air date was February 8th of 1984. It was written by Linda Marsh and Margie Peters. They are pretty much the showrunners and the women who fixed the show in season two after a rocky season one. And it was directed by Asad Kelada, who is their pretty much in-house director for last season, this season, and uh, I think another season or so, he will still be around directing most of the episodes. Okay. Uh, we also do in the opening credits, we do have Pamela Siegel, aka Pamela Adlon, in the role of Kelly. This is her 10th okay. appearance, her 10th appearance out of 12. People who listen to the show, Maria, know that I am counting down the episodes when we can get rid of Kelly because I hate her so much. Why? I mean, I, yes, but why? <laughs> <laughs> I agreed. It's, I'm like, well, why do we have two Joes? Like, why do we? <laughs> Thank and like you. One, you know, like one's a little more like I don't know. Anyway, I yeah. have thoughts. No, you're totally right. That's just it. It was like we're trying to bring in a younger version of Joe because it is a sign that either the network or the producers or both didn't have faith that as the girls were aging that they could carry a show. It was like okay, uh, it, it was Little House on the Prairie syndrome Ageist where the bastards. kids are growing up. Have them adopt 70 orphans. And I, yeah. ugh. And we haven't even gotten to Pippa yet. We're not even there. Pippa oh. is in season eight or nine, and I'm, I am not looking forward to her either. I am writing that name down. Mm -hmm. Pippa. <laughs> Pippa. Mm -hmm. You want to name a character that in something that you improvise, please. Okay, I will. Yeah. <laughs> I also want to know, okay, well, we'll talk about that later, but she, she's coming up, this character. I don't remember Pippa, or do I? I don't know. We'll see. She's the Australian one. We kind of <laughs> tried to tie it into the facts of Life Goes to Australia. It's in later, like Cloris Leachman seasons, when we get Oh, okay. All right. And, all right. and it's just That's another time. generic girl. And at this point, all of them are in college. So right. Pippa is suddenly the girl showing up. It's like, well, we have these costumes. We may as well put her in the Eastland uniform. Okay. <laughs> We've already paid for them. We've moved away. It's fine. <laughs> Let's bring on somebody. Oh, we packed up the networks. We packed up and moved to Hollywood, just like Laverne and Shirley. And yet, let's wear the Eastland uniform from Peekskill, New York. Why not? Come on. Why not? <laughs> Anyways. Well, before I begin... Uh, the actual uh, microscopic dissection that I like to do of the episode, Maria, okay. yes. if you would please allow me to put you on the spot and ask you if you would give me a one to two sentence synopsis of the entire show, simple, something like you might read in a TV guide listing. A simple, uh, yes. Yeah. So in today's episode, we have two storylines. Uh, one where Joe um, is tasked to throw her first Langley party. How will she do? Our second storyline is um, Tootie and uh, Natalie coming to terms with the grieving process and how that is different for all of us. Nice. No, that's great. <laughs> oh, God and bless you. 
And, and you very smartly picked up on something that is an anomaly in this episode that we have an A story and a B story. That's not oh. typical. Yeah, she's raising the roof, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I'm doing that thing that kids do. <laughs> oh, I didn't, I didn't even realize that, that that was a different, but that's no, a, not formula for them. Uh, yeah, I mean, because when you think of it, even into the 80s, it isn't until we get into the late 80s, early 90s, do we start getting shows with automatically an A story and a B story. Back in the day, the 70s and 80s sitcom was one story and everyone is somehow involved in it. We've seen us only a few times so far, and we're, we're five seasons, five and a half seasons in, and it's only happened a few times along the way. Typically, we have one story. So it is interesting. And the other thing to point out before we get started is, this is kind of sort of a continuation of the previous episode, which was the episode of Natalie's father dying and going to the funeral and uh, we, I had John Pelkey on last week, and we both were like, why wasn't this a two-parter? It almost feels like with a continu- another anomaly, the idea of a story arc continuing over two completely separate episodes. Yeah. Uh, it's weird. And it was not broadcast as you know a special one hour that they then later split up. No, last week's was February 1st. This one was uh, broadcast on February 8th. So it's, yeah, we have a lot of, of odd things going on and, and, <laughs> and it doesn't stop there as you and I are going to explore all We're the- We're going to find out. And the last thing we need to point out that I have to point out for the sake of you and the listenership mm-hmm. is the version that is online digitally that mm-hmm. you, Maria, and my tens of listeners would have watched mm-hmm. at dailymotion.com. That is the syndication version. So like many of the syndicated versions, there are three minutes missing. I was going to ask you. There were bits that were edited. I was like, you can tell that's a hard cut. Yeah. There's some weird stuff and there's a particularly odd dissolve that we will talk about here. Um, And uh, does it affect the show? I I think it does. I think the show, the impact of the show is about the same but I think the missing bits do enhance it and help it along a little bit. And uh, yeah, so we'll get into that. So as always, due to my wonderfully overprocessy anxiety brain, I'm going to take you through every single frame of material that is on the DVDs, but is not in the version that uh, was seen by the general public. I'm here for it. So, and we start and jump right in with the very beginning with the first, pretty much the majority of what is missing is at the beginning of this episode. Okay. It is really almost entirely three full minutes that is not there. We start in Edna's Edibles. Now we have the sign up for the Miss Edibles competition. This was brought up last week when Mrs. Garrett was excited that she had secured a float in the Founders Day Parade and then there was going to be a contest at the business where the customers would vote for Miss Edibles. And pictures of all the girls and Mrs. Garrett. So the five of them are all displayed and asking the customers to cast their vote. Blair walks past the sign, looks at her own picture, and kisses her finger and puts a little mwah, puts a little kiss on her own face. Blair is vain. She is. <laughs> so then Joe comes in and she has two friends with her. 
these two friends have some serious lines in this scene. It's kind of sad that they end up on the cutting room floor. They are at the party at the end of the episode, but they don't have any lines. They're just window dressing at that point. Okay. But she comes in with two friends. Uh, their names are Kathy and... Oh, God, I forgot to write down the other guy, I think. Um, but the girl and the guy is what I'm going to call them. But the girl's name is Kathy. The actress's name is Ellen Wheeler. And she would go on to be on Another World, uh, the reboot of Dark Shadows, The Bold and the Beautiful. And from 2004 to 2009, she was an executive producer for 300 episodes of Guiding Light. Stop it. And occasionally she would, also, she would also direct. Yeah. And, nice. and with this soap career that was still down the pike for this actress, she would win two daytime Emmys for two different roles, one in 1986 for playing Marley on Another World, and the other in 1988 for playing Cindy on All My Children. I'm looking her up right now. I, I know this actress. Ellen Wheeler. Yes. Wheeler. Yes. Wheeler. There's an H in there. I don't know if you heard of that. <laughs> um, yes, I did. <laughs> yeah. and, and she's lovely, but she's just, she has that look where you imagine, it's like, you think, yeah, she looks, she's very castable. Yeah. And she's she's very pretty and and has a good natural ease about her, as does the guy. Uh, the guy didn't have any other credits. I, I, for, I think I started looking him up and I got sidetracked by the other guy who plays the magician later. Okay, I did decide to look him up because I feel bad. I've just fawned so much over Ellen Wheeler. Uh, we also have the character of Skip. And uh, his name is Dory Keller, D-O-R-I. I, that's a weird name for a dude, but uh, he has only a few acting credits, just a handful and a couple of casting director credits, but that all seems to end in 2003. Uh, but anyway, we basically have these two friends with Joe, Skip and Kathy. And uh, Joe is sorry that she's late. It's like, well, we went over to Sam's for coffee. And Blair's like, who is Sam? And they're like, <laughs> Blair, Sam's, it's a coffee shop. How do you not know that? Duh. Duh. Everybody goes there after class. And there was a sense of Blair going, oh, well, no one's ever invited me. And it's like, we, we just go there. What, what's up with that? Yeah. Um, so then Skip does ask for an update on the Miss Edibles contest, because this is apparently a very important thing. And uh, somebody says that the votes are being counted as we speak. I don't know who it is. I don't doesn't really matter but very quickly Blair goes into Blair mode where she's looking forward to winning and reiterates what she said I believe twice last season that she was uh, Eastland Harvest Queen three years in a row and Skip retorts with that saying what's harvest what's that and she says it's a thing at Eastland and then uh, he turns and he looks at Kathy and they're like, oh, yeah, Eastland, that's that, that girl's school across town. <laughs> but basically they say, oh, that's that thing that is not significant or has any meaning for us at all, right? Yes, exactly. Like this. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like Miss Edibles. Miss Edibles, on the other hand. Yeah, <laughs> that's some important shit. <laughs> but... um. They're like with Joe and like, okay, we're going ice skating tomorrow night, right? Right. And that's great. And then um, 
uh, Joe is Blair's like, you're going to ice skating. And she's like, yeah, it's fun. It's just goofy, whatever. And Joe says, you're going to, you're going to come along too. Right. And Blair's like, um, I think I'm going to fall. I don't ice skate. And Joe's like, well, we're all going to fall. That's why you go ice skating. Just, it's not about. Oh, that actually would have really been a nice thing Exactly. To and Blair does say people expect more from Blair Warner. Oh. And then at this point, this is where the cut ends. And now we begin the episode episode. So all we've done is we have just, uh, we have just fortified the infrastructure of Joe has other friends that are not yeah. <laughs> in the opening credits of the show. Yeah. Joe is doing a lot of things socially, not with these friends. And uh, Blair is kind of feeling a little left out and not in the loop, as well as the Miss Edibles contest is in progress. And clearly it's quite a nail biter if the ballots are being counted right now. Yeesh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so is that a thing like in syndication they wind up cutting like in general mm -hmm. that is very typical because that leaves room for more commercials commercials yeah duh, mm -hmm. that's where they get that money huh yeah so then natalie comes in now the start yes. of the syndicated episode natalie comes in and tootie's like hey if we rush through dinner we can make it to this movie that we really want to see and natalie is doing that perfect sitcom acting of I'm struggling with something, so I'm speaking kind of emotionless and mechanical. Mm. And so she's like, no, I really need to study tonight. And Tootie's like, but you study every night. And she's like, I'm sorry, I'm just not into it. I got to go call my mother. Yeah. And off she goes. And Tootie is, reports to the others that she is still calling her mother multiple times a day. It has been six weeks and Natalie still hasn't gotten out of this funk just because her yeah, dad died. Okay, okay, thank you for saying it like that. Because <laughs> my childhood memory of Tootie was very favorable. I love I love Tootie. I wanted mm -hmm. to, she's fun. She was she was the youngest and I was the youngest of five. And so I was like, I get that's me and roller skates and yay, like all of the things. And I watched this episode and I was like, she's an asshole. <laughs> How oh. insensitive. You missed last week where it's like <laughs> at one point now. at one point last week john and i said natalie would you please get over your dad it's been hours since the funeral and can't you see you're upsetting tootie <laughs> it's it's bad yes like i have it written down a couple of times i'm like okay tootie insensitive after six weeks <laughs> aren't you better like <laughs> <laughs> yes it's true but yeah. anyway i'm so sorry uh -huh. go on and in space work and directing and uh, blocking, I always love to see what the girls are doing as far as their work. Like, are they, uh, are, they, are they unloading? Are they putting croissants from this tray onto that tray? Are they wiping sure. down the tables? And Blair is using a rubber stamp and is stamping something. I have no idea what she would be oh, rubber stamping. But um, <laughs> I, I just love, to me, a rubber stamp is so analog. It's so 80s and uh, I love it. I absolutely I love, love a rubber stamp. <laughs> yeah. So then in comes Mrs. Garrett with Kelly. Kelly is officially the ballot counter, in Kelly's words, keeping her honest. That is a joke because Kelly originally came to us as a little hoodlum bitch who threatened the store, 
and was uh, terrorizing them, making them think there was a gang uh, that was vandalizing oh, their store. She stole money from Blair, but oh, <laughs> girls will be <laughs> girls. And now she's one of the family. I'm all grown up. I'm, I'm giving the du- I'm giving the double <laughs> middle fingers. Fuck you, Kelly. Oh. I I love Pamela Adlon. I fucking hate this character. I hate how she was brought into the show, and I hate that she is still there. And I want her gone. Oh, bye bye, bye bye, bye bye. Checked <laughs> off number ten from the list. Two more to go, and then I'm rid of her, and I'll be a happy guy. <laughs> so then, all right. Um. Uh, turns out the big surprise twist who ends up winning Miss Edibles? It's Joel. What? (laughs) 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 Joe, oh my God, go figure. What's that about? And Tootie's like, I'm going to go tell Natalie. Runs out. So now we're just left with uh, Mrs. Garrett, Kelly, Joe, and Blair. Mm -hmm. Blair who is devastated, tries to hide it. She even friendly accuses Kelly of stuffing the ballot box. (laughs) And... Vote for Joe! (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But this whole thing of Kelly being uh, uh, the younger, another younger version of Joe, Mm -hmm. there were earlier implications about how much she admired Joe and looked up to her. And she's she's growing her hair out and looking a little more girly, but back when we first met her several weeks ago, she did have a real baby femdike vibe going on. Interesting. So the whole thing of uh, Blair accusing Kelly of stuffing the ballot box and... <laughs> Favoring Joe, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Terribly funny. So those reading into the, at the time, non-lesbianic overtones uh, that in modern days are clearly lesbianic overtones. There's a big one right there for Kelly being the kid crushing on the older uh, lesbian. Strong woman. Yes. Strong, (laughs) Strong enough for a man but made for a woman. <laughs> That's her secret. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That was Thank a you. good one. Uh, you know, you can take the girl out of the theme park, but you can't take the theme park out of the girl. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, that makes me so happy. Oh, good grief. All right. Joe so. does say, well, I'm not a fucking pageant queen. I'm paraphrasing here. Yeah. Joe says, I'll drive the float. But I don't want right. to have to. I don't want to have to wear a frilly dress and a scepter and a tiara. Fuck that! I don't want to do it. Yeah. And so Blair is like, oh, "That means the first runner-up has to fulfill her duties." And Mrs. Garrett is like, "Blair, so good. I'm, I'm the first runner-up. You are welcome to join me." In doing a bad oh. Mrs. Garrett impression. Oh no, that's not bad though. That's <laughs> very good. Well, uh, thank you. I've You're been practicing it. This is 98 episodes, kids. <laughs> oh, you are episode yeah. number 98. Isn't that thank crazy? You. It was a very good year. <laughs> oh man. So Blair is like, whoa. So uh, Blair tries to put on a good face. We do get um, a little bit of a of a callback of a character thing. 
uh, I've addressed this many times before, for how sitcoms were into catchphrases, for how different strokes, this show's parent show, okay. every episode had to have a, what you talking what about, you talking Willis? About? Right. Every episode had to have that. The fact that these writers and producers did not get pushed in that direction or fought it, we had Tootie only a handful of times say, there's going to be trouble. <laughs> Remember that? And Blair, um, the, the two, Blair had two of them. The, the stronger one was, oh, I've just had one of my brilliant ideas. Yes. So we don't really have any catchphrases that have uh, remained with us. And that's on one hand commendable, but on the second hand, it's like, they could have thrown a couple in every season and we wouldn't have been mad at them. Yeah, interesting. So the other Blair is her, <laughs> her, her sigh of exasperation, her sigh of, I'm unhappy, oh, get me out of this. <laughs> so we get a kind of half version of it. I swear it's just because she's out of practice when it is, said that, you know, Mrs. Garrett is the second place. You didn't even get second place, Blair. And she yeah. gives kind of a... <laughs> and I was a little bit disappointed. I'm like, oh, you should have made that more of a thing. She that really could have worked okay. that one. Could have worked that one. Yeah. And I'm so curious, because then the next part is then she goes up to... What's her face? And Joe says, Kelly. Kelly. And says, how many votes did I get? <laughs> you don't want to know. I'm like, come on, really? <laughs> it, it, that few? Are you just being a dick? Like you see that she's obviously affected by this. Uh, you yeah. schmuck. Yeah, and really, how many votes? Suppose they came up with this contest last week, which was in the, in the timeline of the Facts of Life Cinematic Universe or F-O-L-C-U, as I call it. So yes. that's six weeks ago. Six weeks ago, we saw this contest conceived. So over six weeks, how many people have voted? How, do they have that big a clientele? Tens and, of tens. <laughs> and exactly. I, it's such a weird, bizarre thing, because God knows they don't pay for the extras. We don't see that many customers coming in mm -hmm. and out of the store. Mm -hmm. um, no. But yes. So then... Um, uh, Mrs. Garrett says, oh, Joe, somebody called about getting together next Friday. And uh, Joe was like, oh, I can't. I already have plans to go to the pen and quill mixer. I said that slowly because I, I want to make sure that people hearing me yes. can drink in <clears throat> a, a pen and quill mixer. Yes. Yeah. We're modern and we're postmodern and we're, we're everything. Yes. <laughs> At the pen and quill. Yeah. Pens are the today. Quills are the yesterday. We are. <laughs> but also tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. It's like, so is it, is it a writer's group, a writer's right. thing? Joe's not a writer. A pen and quill mixer sounds like a, a network of aspiring writers or people who are you know in the english or creative writing department of the college or whatever or the illuminati but, or the <laughs> skulls it's like the skulls of peak skill <laughs> but yeah it's <laughs> so it's it's such an odd 
choice for, and we get this a lot throughout the series, the idea that, well, this is a she-she college. This, it's not quite mm -hmm. Ivy League, but it's very up there. So they try to create these sort of oh, lock-jawed guys with sweaters tied around their shoulders kind of uh -huh. things, a pen and quill mixer. Oh, <laughs> and wow, writers, if you wanted to create something that sounded collegiate and yet like it was written by a man in his 60s. Well done. Bravo. Bravo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so then um, Joe goes to call back this friend to say, I can't, so my social calendar is so full, I can't get together with you. And then Mrs. Garrett goes to Blair and she says, Blair. And we dissolve to the next scene. Did you notice this? Was this one of the things you noticed? Yes. And awkward, weird, weird dissolved. Weird. And I watched it immediately. I went, oh, there's a syndication cut. That clearly is something they took out. And indeed it was. And you went the back scene. to the footage. I went back to the footage. Could we, could we, could we run the clip, please, uh, Howard, Chris, and, Joe, and Bobby? The booth. Maybe, Let's go. No? Anybody? We, no? Oh, there's it, nobody? No? Okay, sorry. All right. Budget. I'll just talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yes, um, Mrs. Garrett does walk over and initiates this conversation by saying, Blair, I hope you're not too upset about my beating you. And Blair, now, this is where we really start the Blair thing of her acknowledging and naming her issue in this show, where she says, no, I'm not too upset, Mrs. Garrett. I'm more upset that I'm not having coffee or I'm not being invited to the pen and quill mixer or I don't know what Sam's is or I'm not at other parties. And she says, who cares about this dinky contest? And walks out and the punchline of the scene is Mrs. Garrett going, well, it's not that dinky. <laughs> so then we dissolve to the next scene and this is now a different day and Natalie is working some muffins at the counter. Yes. Moving from one tray to another tray. Important shit. Yes. Um, Maria is demonstrating. I'm miming. She's miming. <laughs> that is some space work from a professional, ladies and gentlemen. But, uh, so then Blair enters. And then this is where we kind of pick up from the previous cut. We just kind of miss the sort of slow transition to the next scene. We go straight to Blair asking Natalie, have I lost it? This is really the quandary of Blair in this episode. For all intents and purposes, the A story and the B story is Natalie, which we haven't really delved further into. Yeah. This is the big fish, little fish. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And, and, and Mindy Cohn, playing both clueless and grieving beautifully deadpan comes back at her where she says when blair asks have i lost it she just looks back at her stone-faced and just says what and she says my my essence my aura what whatever it is that makes me me yeah. and natalie just goes i don't know <laughs> it's so good. So beautifully it's so subtle. Uh, yeah. It's a Mindy Cohn win. Beautiful. Yeah. How far we have come from seasons one and two where she could not deliver a joke without laughing at her own joke. 
uh, oh, her little was, squinchy face that she laughed at everything. Yeah, that's true. That that's was just true. her inexperience. This is a testament to how far she's come. Um, Interesting. And here we get the title of the show. Blair says, I've lost it and Joe's got it. And Natalie's like, what are you talking about? And Blair says, at Eastland, I was a big fish and Joe was a little guppy. Now at Langley, I'm a little fish and Joe is Shamu. <laughs> Biggest laugh of the episode. Hilarious. Yes. Oh, so fun. Yes, brilliant. The titular joke. The, exactly. And here's the title of the show, ladies. <laughs> the, duck, the duck drops down and uh, <laughs> Groucho gives him a prize. Yes. And uh, that, that was for the 70-year-olds in my listening Thank audience. The, the two of them out of your tens of listeners. <laughs> <clears throat> you really cover so many yep. demographics, though. That, that was for you, great-grandma and great-grandpa. <laughs> so um, then Mrs. Garrett and Tootie come in for oh. to death because they just waited 10 hours in line in the wintertime to get tickets to a concert. And that's upstate, right? Peekskill, yeah. Oh, and, I, and they say the box office. I'm like, they have a venue in Peekskill? I wish they had just said at the ticket, at the ticket, you know, because you'd go to the Ticketmaster, ticket, like, yeah. yeah, the record store that has the Ticketmaster booth. That's what we used to do in the old days. And by old days, I mean 1984. Um, yeah. But they come in, they, st they stood in line 10 hours to get tickets to see whom? Someone who I have seen. <gasps> really? True story at the Hard Rock Orlando, Pat Benatar. I did not have yeah. to wait in line, though. Mm, oh, really? <laughs> not <laughs> in the snow. I did not have to wait. No, not in Orlando. <laughs> snow, not a thing here. <laughs> not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, gosh. Pat yeah, but 10 Benatar. hours, and they're wrapped, and, um, and she's got her, her little, like, camping chair. I'm like, oh, they... Props went to town. Good props. job. This is, this is a props win. Absolutely. Yes. We have and costuming as far as they I have them bundled up. Her knitted but, cap. But boy, oh boy, they we... play the I am cold, like frozen to the bone. They play that through the next scene so far to a ridiculous. It's like, bitch, you're inside. Unless you got frostbite, for fuck's sake, come on. So glad you're saying this. I thought the same thing. The next scene, she's by the fire. Then she's like, "Hi, I can't do it." But then she talks about going upstairs to, and then she says to chip off her pantyhose. <laughs> I was like, "Please finish that phrase," because at first I thought she was just going to say to chip off her panties. And I'm like, that is way too progressive, 1984. <laughs> but she then finished it with chip off her pantyhose, which was Panty. still a little like, "Ooh, yeah, mm. pantyhose, not panties." Uh, uh. Um, Yes, so that's the scene that plays out. But um, the whole purpose of this to show that the, the depths of suffering they have gone to to get these tickets to see Pat Benatar and Tootie is springing this on Natalie that she got two tickets and wants Natalie to go with her. It's like, you didn't check ahead of time? And Natalie, oh, I get so much to do. I, I, I don't think I'll be able to go. And Tootie's like, but Natalie, you love Pat Benatar. I can't go, okay? <laughs> For the subtlety impaired, ladies and gentlemen, yes. Natalie is still sad. I don't get it. Yeah. It's been six weeks and a day. Uh, exactly. <laughs> but Natalie, everybody's dad dies, for Christ's sake. 
Uh, I mean, mine hasn't, and I can't empathize in any way, shape, or form. But get over it, girl. Come get on. Just do it. And then the next thing where Tootie's like, Natalie's not going, so I'm not going either. I'm just going to give them away. Like, and the shit hemorrhage that Mrs. G had, like, <laughs> the F you will. The F you will have had my ass out there. And oh, no. I, I think the word shit hemorrhage has now, <laughs> uh, is now going to become a common phrase I will hope to incorporate in future episodes. Then she kid. has a shit hemorrhage. <laughs> because after what she did and the fact that she is still freezing to death, even indoors, covered in a blanket, sitting next to the open fire in the fireplace, Mrs. Garrett is like, you are going if I have to take you myself. And then she says, it's in two weeks. Maybe Natalie will be feeling better. How about, how about we burn that bridge when we get to it, honey? Right, yeah, let's just wait. Yeah. Well, then in comes Joe. Joe has just returned from being at Maggie Thurston's party. Mm. And Blair's like, you were invited to Maggie Thurston's party? The party of all parties that popular people partake of? <laughs> I'm thinking... <laughs> So many plosives, so good, I love it. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. But yeah, how come I wasn't tapped to go to Maggie Thurston's party? Only popular people go to that. <laughs> and so it's, uh, Joe says, yeah, I, even a few people there suggested that it's my turn to reciprocate and throw a party of my own. And Mrs. Garrett says, well, yeah, when are you gonna throw your party? And she's like, I don't know how to throw a party. And Blair says, well, FYI, it is a polite thing to do. If you've been going to a lot of parties, throw one. Why not? And uh, Mrs. Garrett says, yeah, you can do it. And Blair can give you some helpful hints. And it's like, yeah, Blair is kind of social butterfly hostess to the yeah, world. This that is her is, wheelhouse. Yeah. Yeah, that is her wheelhouse. <laughs> Blair is an important resource that one would hope Joe would tap. Oh, no, 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 no. As soon as Blair starts laying out the rules, that you should send written invitations and not make phone calls, that you can't put out bean dip, that you have to do this other stuff. Joe goes right into Bronx mode. Ballistic. But ballistic in her pushback of, hey, it's my party and I'm gonna throw it the way I wanna throw it. <laughs> it was like, I don't know how to throw a party. I don't know nothing about throwing no parties. Hey, I'll help you. No, you yeah. sit up. You're yeah. not allowed. I'm yeah, like, go fuck, fuck yourself. It's like, wait, what? You. I don't understand. On a dime, on a dime, it turns into Blair and Joe at each other's throats. Yeah. And <clears throat> so Blair finally says, look, fine. Throw your party, do whatever you want to do. Do it your way. I won't be there. And she goes up the stairs, and on that cliffhanger, that mm -hmm. nail biter of tension, we go to commercial. Dun, dun, dun. I, I, I don't know if I could have survived the um, American Express Traveler's Check commercials and the Mass and Gilduce <laughs> commercial. I, I would have chewed my fingers down to the nub waiting to see how this is going to play out when we come back. Oh. Thankfully, you own the DVDs, though. So. Thankfully. But <laughs> for those listening who have not watched the episode, they are going to have to wait a few minutes longer because during the commercial, Maria, I like to yes. get to know my guests. Oh, well, here we are. So if you will indulge me, I, mm -hmm. I know we actors hate talking about ourselves. I know I do. 
If you'll indulge me to find out, uh, just a quick travelogue of your life and your career and how you came to be a professional performer here <laughs> in Central Florida. Maria say, Flores. Por, say uh, all the other names. Uh, Donde naciste? Yo nací en Melbourne Beach, Florida. Oh, yes. Say. For the English speakers, I asked her <laughs> where she was born. And she said, Melbourne Beach, Florida. Sí, por supuesto, en Melbourne Beach. En mm -hmm. el condado de Brevard. In Brevard County. You, sí. you, you give your entire interview in Spanish and I'll translate. <laughs> okay, like, well, I'll do uh, a bastardization of it. Come on, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's not, because I'm going to be like, I, I think she's saying I, I broke my arm with a mm. cherry picker. My mother was an orangutan. Yes. All right. So, but as as we are speaking the Espagnol, um, what of what descent is your family heritage? My father's son de Cuba, and my bisabuelos son de España. No, so my parents uh, were born in Cuba. Mm -hmm. Grandparents Cuban, and then so. Cuban, Taino, and uh, Spaniard. Actually, That's Spain, my... Spanish. Spain, yeah. Canary Ooh. Islands, um, Basque country. Nice. Yes. Fantastic. Yeah. So, um, you, so you were born, you're not far. Melbourne Beach, Florida is what? A little over an hour mm -hmm. heading south out to the east coast from the Orlando. So um, what, uh, what got you into performing? And then did you go on and did you study it formally? Um, I would say I've been studying it informally since I, I was able to study. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. So I've always been a bit of a performer, I guess, just by nature. Um, my eldest brother, Bert, uh, you know, oldest of five, he was 14, 14 years older than me. Uh, so when I was a wee little girl, he worked at Disney and he was a musician out there. Oh, okay. And so we got to, I, as a child was at Disney a lot, seeing him with my family. And mm -hmm. So he would be playing the trumpet and they'd be doing shows and they're, you know, all the Disney dancers doing their thing and singing and dancing. And after having watched a show once, I would be in the aisles dancing and singing along to the show. <laughs> like... Uh, just got it by road, it seemed. And so anyway, that's where my performing uh, started for me. Mm -hmm. uh, we, you know, we fast forward to high school where um, we're doing, you know, Agamemnon and like all these, you know, for, for English class, we're doing all these like Greek pieces. And my English teacher's like, you should, you should do most of the reading. I want to have you cast as this, that, and the other. And yes. then I was like, Hey, you know what? We should start a drama. This I went to a private school and I was like, we should start a drama club. Okay, let's do that. And, and all of this to say that uh, I have been professionally acting since I was 15. And In what capacity was a 15-year-old working acting professionally? Acting professionally? Listen, these are things we don't talk about. Uh -oh. um, no, that's not true. That's not true. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's so far in, from the truth. In, in the gentleman's clubs. <laughs> And I was not a very naive girl. Uh, I was actually still am. Um, so I'm, I, I in private school my whole life. Uh, my sophomore year I'm finishing, I'm going to be a rising junior and I, uh, there's a newer high school that's in my area. So I, I actually have to travel to the high school I went to, which is Wishmore. And, um, 
Dr. Phillips was the new up and coming high school in Hollywood East. It was, you know, oh. only a few years old, you know, that's because yes. that's what they called us, Hollywood East. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was like, mom, pop, I want to go to the school because they have a drama club and this, that, and the other, and all of these things. And they're like, are you crazy? I'm like, but, and I think that the, the selling factor was, was like, um, it's a mile and a half away as opposed to like 50 miles away. Now these are people who, who I, I adore my folks. My last year of, uh, of grade school, oh, I went to school in Rockledge, Florida, which is next to Melbourne. And we had already moved here to Orlando, but I, they didn't want me to not have my eighth grade year. Uh, oh, okay. Rockledge. So we drove, my, my, <gasps> we drove, my mother drove me to school every morning from Orlando. You commuted to from Orlando sure to Rockledge for sure an entire did. school year. For an entire school year. Holy shit. So that's again, non secret. I don't want, I love my folks and they did everything for me. But here, here I am saying, I want to do the drama. Ah, my father, oh, you're not going to, you're going to be an accountant. I want to be a dancer. You're not going to be a dancer because dancers don't have careers after the 22. All of these things. Mm-hmm. The school is right there. You don't have to pay for it. You already yeah. paid for it. Ah, right. So we'll go there. So yeah. anyway, Dr. so all Phillips I just say. High school is a, it's a, is it a tar? What's the term? Target, charter? Now it's a magnet school. At the time Mag- it wasn't. Yeah. It's a magnet school, but it's a performing arts high school. But it, so yeah, but at the when time, you, yeah. when you graduate from high school, you kind of also have uh, a very intense working understanding of being a performer that those who go to a non-performing arts high school don't enjoy so if you want to be an actor fuck take advantage it's a public school it's free yeah 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 again Mm -hmm. this this was before the magnet program but it was still very intense the visual performing arts department was huge uh and had a lot of connections in town eventually introduces me to judith rubinger who then has uh, cast me in the first uh, Orlando Shakespeare Festival's uh, The Young Company. Mm-hmm. And I play my first uh, full like, leading role as Puck in The Young Company's performance of The Midsummer Night's Dream. Wow. And, and that happened when I was 15 going, I was 15, going on 16. So, there was, <laughs> that's my so after Dr. Phillips High School, yes. did you go on and study any further or did you just go right into the workforce? I went right into, I started working at Universal uh, that next summer, I was hmm. one of the youngest people in entertainment at Universal. 16, I got hired at Universal. Wow. Yeah, and Universal had, is literally across the street across the way, yeah. from Dr. Phillips High School. Yeah, I went right okay. into Universal and um, and right into other shows and just working. And then. So you worked at Universal a long time. 18 years. Jeebus. 18 years. Yes. And nowadays you are with Mersion. Uh, uh, I briefly worked with you there. I did, yeah. And, uh, and that's fun because that is where you are using a video game controller and actually digitally puppeteering. For mm-hmm. those of you who don't know, Mersion is a like a practice space for where we create simulations that mix artificial intelligence and human performance uh, to help learners uh, become more socially effective in conversation and just mm-hmm. in human interaction. That's yeah. the very fancy way of saying what we do. And the other brief time you and I got to work together was with, uh, with the wonderful Sleuth's Mystery Dinner Theater That's on right. International Drive. That's right. Yes, we did. Well, thank you for the travelogue of your life you. and your career. And, uh, but you know, Maria Flores, mm. yes, enough about you. Yes, 
please. We need to get back to the facts of life. We do. We do. We have to figure out how this all comes to a head. And is Natalie going to get the fuck over the death of her father already? And one of my favorite parts of the show, actually. Mm-hmm. Coming up. So. Yes. We have now the house in full preparation mode for this party. Yeah. And uh, that's all fine and dandy. Joe is suddenly very nervous and very, oh, nobody's going to come. And, uh, and it's kind of like, yeah, too bad you don't have a friend who is used to entertaining who could maybe help guide you through this anxiety attack you're having. But um, mm-hmm. as a sort of olive branch, Joe does say, hey, Blair, I did buy a bottle of Perrier and a lime. And Blair's <laughs> like, no, go fuck yourself. Yeah. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she does say, it's your night. And from the look of things, it's your decade. And Oof. Blair is so committed right now to it not being about her. She is wearing a very un-Blair-like outfit. She's wearing a big blousey blouse with a belt. And it's blousey. Blair tends to wear more fitted oh, blouses. Yeah. And she always has her skirt her, her blouse tucked into her skirt to accentuate her waist. Yeah, I hadn't realized that. And yeah, that, that was. was a that was a thing for Lisa Welchel. We learn in future seasons was it was kind of always a thing that they always she always liked to show off her waist. And so this does look really off brand for her, and she has barrettes in her hair. She does have barrettes. And so she is basically committing to being an ugly, hideous, unpopular, <laughs> blousey nobody. Oh, God, the demise it's, of how, Blair. How oh, far the, she's fallen. The fall of the house of Wilchel. Well, not Wilchel, <laughs> what is it, Blair? Of, of, of Warner. Warner. <laughs> the house of Warner. Uh, another funny line. Who says what? Who says the line, don't be such a donkey? Does Joe say that to Blair? Joe says that to Blair to get to, <laughs> to great canned laughter. <laughs> I was like, she called you a jackass. Yeah. Don't be such a donkey. That's, such a, that's a weird non-Joe line, but God, it was funny. It was so funny. It was, yeah, because I, it was I, I found myself laughing and I didn't like donkey. And then I, I laughed at it. It was, yeah. it was, it was good. Yeah, it was it was very because it was a time when it's like we can't quite say what we want to. Right. But really, more Joe, it would have been more Joe to say, Blair, will you knock it off? Right. That's really that more, would have been on brand. Yeah, exactly. Um anyway, uh so as Blair goes to meet her fate in the bedroom, goes upstairs, um, possibly to harm herself or something we don't know Jesus. Uh, i'm sorry an after that, school special that, that that turned dark i'm sorry she runs out of the window yeah. like. then we have tootie and natalie and yeah. tootie has hatched this plan where some lady at the drugstore uh, her cat just had kittens and tootie sets up a plan to somehow smuggle a kitten into the house to basically take on a pet that they know mrs garrett would not like, and Mrs. Garrett is allergic. Highly allergic. Highly allergic. What a dick move. Yeah, screw it. We're going to bring in this cat that I found from this lady. Yeah. How do you think, Natalie? <laughs> but Natalie 
wet fucking blanket. That bitch. Morning again, grieving and mourning, blah, blah. (laughs) Just always pissing in my Cheerios. (laughs) God bless. (laughs) She says, I'm not really into it. Maybe we should get a fish instead. And Tootie kind of takes that as a a scrap. Yeah, maybe we'll get a fish. Okay. And then it's like, "Uh, aren't you going to stay for the party? Nah, I got stuff to do. And then quickly we dissolve to the party in full swing. Oof. Did Such you a party. did you notice the fondue pot faux pas? No. Uh, the scene as we dissolve to the scene of the party in full swing, Tootie brings in a new fondue pot, allegedly with freshly melted cheese in it. So she's holding the fondue pot by the handle, and Joe takes it by the handle and then touches the bottom of the pot as she guides it over to the table. And it's like, bitch, that is hot. Scalding. Yeah, it's not going to happen. That is a prop work fail, Joe. See? Prop work. Yeah, exactly. That is a prop work fail, Joe. Amazing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then, uh, Natalie, are you going to join the party? No. I'm just going to get something in the kitchen. And again, no. I'm just getting... I'm talking in my sad voice. And then we have said, uh, and uh, Mindy Cohn has said many times over the years, they have never, ever made a fat joke about Natalie or at her expense, huh. ever. And well, that's atypical, a, yeah, for the that time. That is. But in the absence of fat jokes, we do often get food jokes, okay. which are kind of fat joke adjacent. Okay. Just saying. Fair enough, fair enough. We, we haven't had one in a long time, and part of that is because Mindy Cohn is fairly slender. So in this not fat joke, but food joke, it's, Natalie, why don't you join the party? They've got really amazing mozzarella melts. And there is a moment she starts to soften. They have mozzarella melts? Mm-hmm. And... She's like, yeah, so why don't you stay? And she's like, I have stuff to do. And she goes out into the shop. And so now Tootie gets Mrs. Garrett and is like, Mrs. Garrett, I'm still so worried about her. She refused to do one of her most favorite things. Put one over on you. (laughs) Number one, Mrs. Garrett doesn't say, what the fuck is that supposed to mean? (laughs) And number two... That's not a favorite thing. Putting one over on Mrs. Garrett is not really a thing. Um, May I remind you, Mrs. Garrett has given you a roof over your head, the ability to stay living with your friends, a job, and multiple times put her own career and her own uh, personal integrity on the line to protect these girls over the last five years. So this whole... You know, we're the incorrigible children who love, you know, we're the Dennis the Menace to your Mr. Wilson kind of a, what the, no. No. You girls do not put, you you never have put one over on Mrs. Garrett. And well, you should not, you ingrateful little bitches. How dare you? How dare you? Also, bringing in a fucking cat. Yeah. She would have some sort of that, anaphylactic like response to. That's not pulling one over on her. Yeah. You just twat. Stop being such a dick. <laughs> yeah. Twat and dick at the same time. You recovery. So far they've been assholes, twats, dicks. I mean, these kids are just 
Yes. They're a mess. And, and we get that so often where it's like, Mrs. Garrett gave you everything. <laughs> but I digress. So finally we get, Mrs. Garrett, will you please talk to her? And as Mrs. Garrett makes her way into the shop to find Natalie, don't you love the generic 1970s slash 80s pop music that's playing at the party? Oh, I didn't notice. It's, it's just this generic nothing music. It's certainly not a, a, a hit that you'd hear on the radio. Well, because Joe starts that one line where she says, I don't know if I should play Oingo Boingo or uh, Duran Duran. Yes. <laughs> like... And the producers are like, neither. That neither, costs yeah. money. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So then we have our heart to heart moment. Good Lord. There's a lot in this episode. This is. It really is. And this is my this... favorite. Well, the um, foundation is basically Mrs. Garrett saying, we haven't checked in in a while. How are you doing? And there is a line that is cut from syndication that we have oh. to put back in that does, I think, help buoy this scene a little bit. Funny. Mrs. Garrett says, what's going on in your life other than school, work, and the library? And what is cut is Natalie says, well, that's really about it. And Mrs. Garrett says, boy, you've just been having a lot of laughs. Ironically, she's Ironically, saying it. Yeah. And then Natalie, in response to that, to Mrs. Garrett basically saying, you've been all work and no play, Natalie says, I just want to do what would make my father proud. Yeah. So uh, that's just a little extra. Those two lines don't add much we don't lose much by their being cut but what is in the syndicated version is it's a little more uh, abrupt a transition to yeah. that and then mrs garrett says but you know your dad was proud of you and he is proud of you and i'm ver verbatim now she says you're bright you're caring you love to make people laugh and then they reminisce about how funny she was at the faculty spoof at Eastland last year where she did her impression of Mrs. Garrett. And her father led the standing ovation. Uh, you're doing this for me and I love it. Natalie does start to laugh a little at that, but then she retreats. Mm -hmm. And then Mrs. Garrett tells her uh, heartwarming story. And yes. it is perfect. I've said before, and I've said a million times, and will say a million times more, Charlotte Ray's comedic choices are sometimes a little broad for me. But when she gets into the really, truly heartfelt shit, she is uh, incredible. I'm just and, eating it, just eating it up, because it was uh, so real and it was so raw. As someone mm -hmm. who has lost people, like, you know, my eldest brother, who I was talking about earlier, passed away when he was 44. Oh. Uh, yeah, so it's that, and that's uh, a big, uh, big moment in my life mm. uh, but yeah and, and everyone has had loss but that story that she tells about you know when my father died my friends took me out to see some like it hot and I laughed for two hours and then I went home and I cried for two days mm. oh like I felt it in my heart and mm -hmm. I was like that's it that's just it and it was such a lovely real scene the choices were real i think the dialogue was beautiful and if if you know if you have to suffer through parts of the episode that you know you can laugh at or you question or whatever that moment was so lovely mm -hmm. so. and she goes on to say how could i have had such a good time but then i realized i wasn't forgetting him when i had a good time i was letting go 
of some of the pain of losing him. And Natalie, it's okay. That's how we get on with our lives. And then there's a, a little bit of a, there's not a full embrace, is there? There's kind of just mm-hmm. a shoulder, just a, a pat on the back, shoulder touch. Yeah. And then they just let the scene end there. That's yeah. it. And it's, it is, I think, I think this is arguably one of the best scenes of the season so far. It's, it's nice. so emotional. It's, I, yeah. I get and it. And it's so small, so small. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's not a lot of dramatic buildup per se. It's, it was just a moment in time, just part of the conversation, but such a real slice of life and so honest and beautifully delivered. I, mm-hmm. Again, it was... Yeah. Nope, this is a super duper win for the writing, for the performance, and for <sighs> making up for some of the rest of this shit. <laughs> because when you realize this is the B story and the A story is Blair thinks she's lost her mojo. <laughs> I don't get invited to parties. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and on that note, we do go the next scene to Blair in the bedroom. Joe comes into the room and brings her the Perrier. And Blair's like, oh, well, that's sweet. And Joe's kind of like, yeah, no one was drinking it. (laughs) So finally, Blair, and they do make a physical, uh, a a visual bit out of Blair taking big swigs out of the Perrier, like, like she's drinking Jack Daniels to fortify herself because she's about to do something that is very off-brand for Blair, she's about to ask Joe, what is wrong with me? I, I'm taking an inventory of myself and my flaws, and I'm asking you to help me. Yeah. So that is kind of a big thing for Blair. And then she says, well, why are you so popular and why am I not? They hate me at Langley. And Joe says, Blair, they don't hate you. They don't know you well enough to hate you. So good. So good. Or, or like you, she quickly yeah. adds. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so then we have a, the, the comedic bit of tell me what I'm doing wrong. And it's where Joe says, well, it's just this little thing. And she's like, okay. And then Joe's like, well, what lives this other thing too? Yeah. And she's like, all right, fine. And Joe's like, you know, another thing. And Joe Blair's like, all right, for fuck's sake, shut up. <laughs> Enough. Okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But Joe does point out the fact that she says, you're not the same with others. Here, you're yourself and you're goofy. But out there, you're always telling people what to wear and what to eat and how to eat it. You shouldn't worry what other people think. Case in point, what do you care if you fall on the ice when you go ice skating? Mm -hmm. We are out in the world now. Things are different. Get off your pedestal and start being yourself. Loosen up a little. Come on down and join the party. And that is kind of what the show is struggling with as well, as far as how to write for them, as this is not about girls in school anymore. Interesting. In in high school anymore. This is about young women navigating more adult things. And in a nice little uh, thing to the scene, Blair says, okay, well, let me change. And Joe says, no, you don't have to change. And so Blair is like, I'm going to go out in public in a blousey blouse and barrettes. This is the new Blair Warner, unplugged. New year, new me, 1984, yep. hear me roar. <laughs> it may be February, but it's a new year and it's a new it's me. It's fine. Yep. <laughs> so then we go back down to the party and 
There's entertainment. There's a magic. There's a magician performing. And it's like, what is happening? Oh Lord. I'm like, is at first I'm like, okay, why why are we around the guy doing card tricks? Okay. Maybe a guy does card tricks. Alex does. My son does card tricks. Mm-hmm. M- maybe it's a thing. But no. Then we finish the bit, and he gets introduced by Tootie as <laughs> "Give It Up for Mr. Magic." Yes. I'm like, what? Yeah. Tootie has suddenly become the MC of an impromptu talent show. And by Who's the next? way, this magician, his name is Danny Scott. And uh, he has literally three credits on IMDb. This show, uh, a show called A Night at the Magic Castle, which is a magician's show. yeah. yeah. And an episode of Full House where he plays a lottery host. But if you look up his bio in other places on the web that's not IMDb, he was a, a child magician when he was like 13. So he was kind of a talk show staple as this sure. young kid magician. Merv Griffin kind of a... Uh, yeah, Mike Douglas, Merv Griffin nice. type of a thing. So uh, yeah, that was okay. uh, a thing and that's who he was. So he was genuinely a magician who was also an actor. Okay. And uh, nowadays he has his own talent firm where he manages other entertainers. Ah, look at that. Right. Give it up for Danny Scott, talent agent. Okay, Mr. Magic. Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so now, who's next? Who's that? Tootie's like, who's next? I'm fucking Jim Broadbent, and this is the Moulin Rouge, bitches. <laughs> and it's like, what is that? Ha- and so someone else has to have a talent. Somebody has to have a hidden talent. Who and, the hell knew? And Blair steps up and says, I do have a hidden talent. What is her hidden talent, Maria? Who and I mean, really quite good. Mm-hmm. Lisa Welchel is a ventriloquist, apparently. Mm-hmm. And when you say who knew, I knew Lisa Welchel was a ventriloquist. Okay. We have known Blair Warner for five years, and for her to now reveal that, well, I spent a lot of time alone as a child. True, because her parents were rich and therefore neglectful. Uh, <laughs> But that's what we learned from the eighties. That's <laughs> well, all parents were neglectful in the seventies and eighties. Let's be real. But the deal is, um, even Tootie is like, what? I believe that Tootie has known Blair at least five years and very likely six years. Yeah, Blair has never, ever, ever pulled out this talent of ventriloquism. Blair obviously is a Scorpio because only a Scorpio can have that kind of a secret. <laughs> and since she's clearly very, very out of practice as a skill that she has not used for five or six years, you're right. She is very good. Good grief. Mm-hmm. She has that girl. She pops Joe on her lap and then I'm going to open your mouth every time we pull my po- I pull your ponytail. I was like... Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's something there okay yeah, there's, well, we'll yeah. that's not the first time those words have been uttered maybe <laughs> maybe the first time in public but uh yeah open your mouth every time i pull your ponytail i will like <laughs> that's some sub dumb shit right there like okay all <laughs> like, right like we usually do after dark <laughs> so um just good just solidly good 
you know, yeah. I don't mean to be gushing over her ventriloquism, but yeah, um, it, it is very good. I am gonna, I am going to not quite gush over it. Okay, all right. In that, um, number one, the good thing is that she gets Joe to be her quote unquote dummy because she gets to throw Joe's words back at her, say, uh, who needs to loosen up a little now? Yeah, kind of a thing. Yeah. So, um, regarding the talent of ventriloquism, yes, she doesn't move her lips. Mm-mm. And she does that voice that all ventriloquists do. We had to talk in the back of their house. Like, I don't know why it is, but it's like they feel like they have to put the air back yeah. here. And it's so it's like, anyway, so we so digress. My, the only thing that's weird is I don't know if she was blocked this way for the camera, but when she is talking for Joe, she is looking at Joe her head is almost turned away from the camera. Only when we get the, uh, one of the close-up cameras that's more in her direct front to her face, mm-hmm. do we actually see, oh, see she's doing mouth. a good job. She, her yeah. lips aren't moving. But she never takes her focus off of Joe when she's talking. Yeah. As opposed to uh, a ventriloquist, a good seasoned ventriloquist, their body language that they are playing is like they're not talking. So while the dummy is talking, they're looking out to the audience, reacting to what is being said. Sure. Uh, I'm just saying, if I were directing this, I would say, Lisa, that is 99% fabulous. Just at some point, turn your head out to the Take room. Take it to the audience. Take it out. Take yeah. it out. Because the joke that she does at Joe's expense is, uh, I think we all should go out for tacos next weekend. Everybody here, and it's going to be my treat. <laughs> and Joe gets up and is like, no, 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 no. Fuck this. Fuck that. Fuck this. <laughs> How dare you? How no. dare you? <laughs> that's, but, that's my new tagline. How yeah, but you. the idea is to, to while Joe is saying she's going to treat everybody, what a perfect chance for Blair to do a takeout to the room. Like, what is she saying? <gasps> what, oh, what, uh, we're oh getting things promised. <laughs> so that's all. That would have been my itty bitty bitty little tiny little bit of a note. It's just, girl, If they would have had you it. direct it. Yeah, and they didn't those, ask me, those motherfuckers. Those fuckers. Yeah. How old were you? I had just turned 15 the previous August. Nine so. going in 10. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. So I was thinking yeah. you were like more than a decade younger than I am. So. No, I just age well. Just I've been pickled. It. You just look it. <laughs> <laughs> so that moment is done. When Joe jumps up and they're all ha 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 laughing, she's going to treat us all the tacos. Blair just committed her to something she didn't consent to. (laughs) (laughs) Funny. Lack of consent, hilarious in the 1980s. All of us are doing it. (laughs) (laughs) It was, it was. (laughs) As Maria weeps into her microphone. (laughs) It was, it was all the rage. Uh, So then, okay, again, Tootie as the fucking self-appointed MC. That was great. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Give it up for Blair and her fuck buddy dummy. (laughs) All right. Uh, Paul Schaefer and the band, ladies and gentlemen, if you could play (laughs) us on uh, to our our next act, ladies and gentlemen, who is is next? Does anyone else have a talent they want to use? Before we go to our sponsor, uh, Massengill, for the freshest pussy you'll ever smell. Um, Excuse me. Who's next? Anybody next? Um, What? Natalie? (laughs) Grieving, mourning, sad Natalie? Is she raising her hand, Maria? I'm going to 
talk really low and have a kind of a blank look on my face and say, yes. <laughs> but, but Natalie, what talent are you going to share with us here at the party? <laughs> she can play the water goblets. What is it? Natalie, okay, if you think Blair oh, suddenly... <laughs> If you think Blair copping to being a ventriloquist is fucked up, oh no, you have no not way. you have not achieved the heights of fucked uppery that this episode <laughs> is about to lay on us minutes before the credits roll. Natalie <sighs> says, "I can play the bells of St. Mary on water glasses." <laughs> of course you can. <laughs> the Bells of St. Mary! Do you know that song, Maria? Could you sing that song? Do you know that song? That you I could... cannot sing it, no. Uh, I cannot. I know that it is the title of a song, probably. Yeah. It is a 1917 pop song that was revived in 1945 when Bing Crosby sang it in the film of the same name, The Bells of St. Mary, where he is a priest and Ingrid Bergman is a nun. And I have it pulled up on my computer right now. I will, I will post a video of Bing Crosby singing <laughs> the Bells of St. Mary. And it's not like it's, it's not like it's, oh, that melody that everybody knows, but doesn't know Duh. what it's called. No. It is like, uh, okay, that's a song and he just sang it and I just heard it. Like there mm -hmm. is nothing special about it. Mm -mm. Why? And the fact that the episode ends with, them getting the water glasses and kind of a thumbs up from Mrs. Garrett. My father's dead and I'm happy now. Yay! Dad loved this shit. <laughs> so, the episode, you guys. So, the, so the credits run and, you know, the, this sort of moment of, I feel like we get a cutaway of Mrs. Garrett smiling like, oh, the healing has begun. And why does that tickle me so? <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that it does. Yeah, but it does. the fact is, the, the end of the episode and the applause and the credits rolling are the space work of, okay, let's get it set up. Get her some glasses. Get her a pitcher of water. Everybody gather around. A thing is about to happen that we never see happen. So you could have named any song <laughs> because it's not like we're paying the rights of the royalties to play the, I can play the bells. Why couldn't you say, I can play Somewhere Over the Rainbow on Something. Water Glasses, a song that everyone would be like, I would like to hear that song, even if so you, you perform it poorly. The Bells of St. Fucking Mary. Oh, you know what would have been great? What? They probably didn't have the budget. All right, our next talent is Pat Benatar. <laughs> Bring that shit back in. Huh? Huh? We're oh. not going to be able to see you, but please come to my house party where we have lukewarm fondue and bean dip. <laughs> Hit me with your best shot. <laughs> I love it. Oh my God. That would have been brilliant. If only we were directing. Yeah. So, Maria, before we end, because the show is over, but before we yes. end the podcast, the last thing I like to ask my guests to do is uh, name a classic commercial. If you watch TV as a child, there has to be some sort of a commercial that left an indelible oh mark in your brain. There's so many. <laughs> Just off the top of your head. There are Mon no- Chi Mon Chi Chi. Oh, so soft and cuddly with a thumb in her mouth. She's really neat. Love to little, wiggle her little feet. La, la, la. La, la, la. Happy, happy, Monchi Chi. The Monchi Chi. No one's done that yet. 
I remember right. that. I remember that very cute. well. Sorry. Other than, what is it? Was it, it was it a stuffed animal? Did it talk? Or? No, the, the, the girl and boy Manchichi, they were just, I mean, nondescript monkey types. I don't know mm-hmm. if they were monkeys or orangutans or whatever. I think they were just straight up like monkeys. Um, and they were cute and they were fuzzy. They were again, boy and girl. And um, they're just baby dolls, except that were monkeys and they were adorable and I loved them. I remember it very well. <laughs> got to find that. I will find that on the YouTube yeah. and I will post it on the webpage for, for nice. this episode. Nice. of the show. Maria, what a delight to get to talk to you again. And I miss you dearly. And I can't wait to get to perform with you again. Soon, so soon, I hope. Thank you so much for having me. I know that that's like, you know, the, the trope thing saying that this was really a blast just to be able to hang out and talk and just be stupid and fun. And, oh, and so I really appreciate your patience and, and thank you. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad you had fun. And I hope we get to do it again. Smooches, my darling, and goodbye. Wow. Adios, Alameda. Adios, amiga Maria. <laughs> Por favor. Montanganse alahadas de los puertas. <laughs> and there you have it. That was Maria Flores. God, I love that girl. And I have performed with her and socialized with her far, far too little. And I hope when this is all over, I'm able to change that. Anywho, next week, another show. Go figure. It's almost like we do this weekly or something. The episode's going to be season five, episode 19, star at Langley. And I'm going to have another special guest. That is episode number 99, people. And that means the week after, we are going to have my 100th episode, Let's Face the Facts-tacular. I'm still working on the name of it. But just the last word is, I know this is in the end credits every single week, so it kind of just becomes white noise. But if you have not gone to iTunes or to your respective podcatcher and rated the show, I would really appreciate it if you would. And even better than that, if you would take a second or two and just write a quick Uh, actual review review with words just trying to kind of beef up my reviews beef up my stars and uh, hoping that you can help me out with that so thank you so much for listening to this week's show and remember the facts of life are all about you Let's Face the Facts was produced, written, hosted, and edited by me, David Almeida. My theme song was beautifully arranged and recorded by Ned Wilkinson. Our website is facethefactspod.com. You have to drop the let's. And that's where you can find extra pictures, video, and audio extras from the digital cutting room floor. Follow the show on social media. We're everywhere under the handle Face the Facts Pod. You can become a patron of the show by going to patreon.com slash face the facts pod. And don't forget, go to your favorite podcatchers and subscribe, rate, and review. Tune in again next week for another thrilling episode of Let's Face the Facts. <laughs>